Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. This is Paul Turner from the DiscipleProject.net here with another episode of the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you guys being here. Hopefully you are having a most excellent week this week. This is the week of Christmas, and uh, I hope that you're not too busy. I hope that you're not too stressed out. I hope that your family, you're making time for your family and things like that and having some downtime. It's an exciting week. It's the um, Today is, as of this recording, is the 15th day of Advent. I do like to uh, celebrate Advent because it builds, uh, you know, it builds up, right? It builds up into the season and then every day is a worshipful day uh, versus the just the two days of Christmas uh, Eve and uh, Christmas Day are, you know, part of the deal. I understand that. But you know, everybody thinks Advent is the next the next Christmas movie. <laughs> and listen, I know everybody thinks that's the Advent. That's the countdown, right? That we're, that's the countdown that we're looking for. But that is not the countdown we're looking for. Um, that's like, kind of like the, that's not the droids we're looking for. This is the, um, uh, the season two countdown in celebration mode for what God has already done for us, already provided for us. And I hope that you are in that same kind of countdown mode. So, but, uh, but to this week, guys, what a great opportunity we have to uh, bring to you some great stuff. I have, I've interviewed my friend Ryan Schmall, and uh, he is going to be talking about uh, vulnerability in youth ministry, why this is one of our greatest traits we can have in ministry. And I got to tell you what, it really, really ministered to me. Uh, In fact, in listening to it again, I got to interview him at the National Youth Workers Conference and we talked about it and he just just blew my mind with it uh, because it's something that I uh, struggle with in the sense of, you know, trying to be just out there, because we already feel like we're already out there, right? Swinging in the wind somewhere. We're, we're middle management. We're stuck between, you know, parents and students and our pastors, you know, and we already kind of feel like we're vulnerable. He's talking about a different kind of vulnerability. We're going to jump into that in just a minute. But what I would like to do is offer you uh, a, a another opportunity to get another little free gift under your tree this year. Um, as you know, my book uh, called Prepared for Impact Uh, all about the 12 keys that unlock you in your youth ministry. Uh, It really talks about the uh, process of planning, preparing, and intentionality of making an impact in your youth ministry. And uh, if you would like this under your tree, here's what I'm going to do. All I ask you to do is go and leave a review right on iTunes. Go to iTunes and go to, uh, there'll be a link in the show notes there, right? Just go to iTunes and search or go to the link in Youth Ministry in Motion podcast and then leave a review. And I would love to send you a book if I choose your name this week and I may choose a couple. So listen, don't don't think just because you're, you know, I'm going to do a little drawing. Um, and so we're going to put that out there and, uh, and, and hopefully you have another little gift under your tree. And I would love for you to have it because 2018 is right around the corner, and uh, I would like you to be prepared for that. I would like your youth ministry to be prepared for that. So simply leave a review, some stars, and uh, I will be happy to choose a name or two and uh, go ahead and send you a book. So feel free to do that. Uh, More stuff coming up in the coming weeks, and uh, it should be very good. Got my uh, friend Ryan Latham going to be joining the program. Uh, That'll be next week uh, where he'll be on the show, my co-author of the book, uh, Prepare for Impact. And um, it it will be a great little thing because he'll interview me. I will interview him and we'll get more into the book and uh, we'll go from there. So, but right now, vulnerability in ministry. 
All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the Youth Ministry of Motion podcast. I'm your host, Paul Turner from thedisciplesproject.net. have an exciting, exciting topic today. We want to talk about navigating critical relationships in the church. Uh, it's a sticky, sticky thing, but I have help today. Uh, my friend Ryan Schmall is here, and uh, he is going to be breaking it down for us today. Welcome into the podcast, Ryan. Hello. How are you today? <laughs> Fantastic. Ryan, uh, Ryan and I just recently uh, met. We served at the National uh, Youth Workers Conference in Memphis this week, and I asked him to come back on because I got to interview him there. And so I wanted to bring him back onto the podcast to talk about the same thing we talked about there because it's such a, a critical t- topic, and it really ministered to me. So I'm, I'm looking forward to being ministered to again on the same topic, on the subject of vulnerability. And uh, Ron, before we get started, why don't you just uh, tell everybody, give everybody a little background on your, uh, your, your youth ministry pedigree there. Okay. Uh, I just wrapped up uh, about 10 years at my previous church up in Redding, California. Uh, I was at a Nazarene church up there, um, fresh out of college. Uh, And then about two and a half weeks ago, uh, my family and I, we transitioned down to Southern California, and we are now at uh, Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church. and I know almost nothing. I, I just, uh, before the show was telling you, I, I feel like I'm drinking out of a fire hydrant and uh, I'm knee deep in meetings and just trying to kind of get my sea legs and figure out, oh, what is life like here at a totally different community? Well, so. <laughs> and, and I, let me tell you what, Ryan, I appreciate your time because, like I said, you, you did tell you were coming out of some meetings and doing some other things. So I know this is a crazy time. So I want to just tell you that I appreciate your time very much. Um, the, the thing now you get to do is you get to do this thing that we talked about, about you're really is starting again. You're trying to figure out how to navigate critical relationships in the church, right? I mean, you're just through the process of meetings and things like that. And why, uh, you know, tell me right now, even from just fresh coming in there, what's been your experience? What, what have you been, what were your, um, Oh, I don't know how to say it. Your your uh, radar, right? Your radar goes off and says, "Okay, these are these relationships are important here." What have you? What are you noticing in your uh, your navigation skills uh, early on in the process here? Yeah, um, man, moving into a new community. So you know, ten years at any place, like you kind of know what the rhythms and the patterns are, and you know, moving into a new environment, they're all completely different. And I've seen youth pastors make this mistake. And I did this when I first took my other job. I, like we like to come in with like a, with like a wrecking ball and a bulldozer and just demolish everything. And um, we think we're doing something really great. And as I've kind of moved into this new position, I learned just by listening to people, like what is sacred around here? Because every community has their own sacred things. And and sometimes sacred is bad, but sometimes it's good, right? And so just by kind of listening in meetings or engaging in conversations with anyone who will really talk to me, you kind of get a sense of, like, what have people been up to around here? What are people not happy about? What are people wanting to shift and change? Um, And so... When we talk just initially about this idea of, you know, where are the critical relationships, I think 
all the relationships are critical in some way, shape, or form. They all take different um, forms as you kind of engage in them. Like, I'm not going to be going to, uh, I don't know, there's like 20 boards at this church, I think, but I'm going to be going to every board meeting and like trying to hear the heart of every individual person. But as I'm engaging with people just around the church, there are opportunities all over for me to meet somebody new and, and who knows how that relationship could blossom into something else or who knows if I'll find a mentor. Like there's this one guy who uh, I, I just met a couple weeks ago, obviously, and he's become one of like my go-to favorite people in two weeks and he has so much wisdom and he's not somebody who maybe eight years ago I would have even – attempted to engage with I kind of had when I was a younger youth pastor I was in that mentality of like oh I'm younger I'm cooler I'm hipper I'm <laughs> I'm gonna stay over here and and here's this older guy and I'm like ah, I would avoid him at all costs but um I found especially over my time at my last church that so many of the people who have been around for so long have so much risk rich like history uh and wealth of knowledge to give us, even if you don't agree with everything. Um, so that's really what I've been experiencing in that relational component, just in my initial period. Um, and not just with older, uh, generations, but students as well. Um, I think obviously being in youth ministry, all the relationships we have with students are pretty critical. Um, and when you're moving into a new environment, again, not coming in with a bulldozer, but coming in with a listening ear, you learn what's important to them and uh, not wanting to just start new things because you think they're better. So Right, right. And you, and you make the great point, too, of, of not coming in with the wrecking ball, which a lot of people want to do. They just want to eliminate everything. They want to slay every sacred cow they see uh, and say, we've well, we got to get rid of that. And yet, whatever you know, some things are super important to people. You know, they're important from a from a journey point of view. You know, from from you know their relationship with their former youth pastor to uh, you know some critical retreat that seems to be very important to them. Right, that you don't want to change up things too fast. Uh, those kind of things, and that leads me then into uh, the the why. Then you know when we come in there and. and I would sense to and I speak for myself that a lot of times that I would not choose I would choose strength over weakness and I would choose um, protection over vulner- vulnerability and in those cases that's when I come in with the 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 uh, you know just swinging a a sledgehammer to everything because I want to put my own name on it I want to put my own stuff on it versus the position you're talking about uh, about being more vulnerable so why then? Uh, in these in these relationships we have here, why do we not? Why do you think guys uh, or girls even don't they? You, you're choosing to show yourself strong versus being vulnerable. Why is that the the you know the uh, uh, the button we push the most uh, versus just saying, look, I'm just going to come in like you, and I'm going to just come in and listen and listen to what people are saying. Yeah, I think a lot of people, we were just talking about superheroes before this podcast too. Um, I think a lot of people have a superhero mentality when they do church work. Um, I think that the majority of pastors want 
or feel like they have something to prove and there's some kind of, hey, look at me, look at all the cool stuff I'm doing. Um, and when you, you come in, like it'd be really easy for me to bring in all this stuff that I found to be really successful and go, here's my greatest hits. Aren't I awesome? There you go. Well, that's fine. But what works with one community isn't going to necessarily work with another. And so that time and dedication to really listening and seeking to understand the heart um, and who this new community is, your greatest hits might not work here, right? Right. Like the music that was popular in Redding, California is definitely not popular down here in Palm Desert. It's completely different. It's a completely different, unique culture, and that's good. Um, And that doesn't mean that you don't have valuable things to offer in the midst of that, but you've got to take time to understand the culture before you just come in swinging. Your vulnerability, your willingness just to be you, that's what will over time prove your value to people all over the place, whether it be students, parents, uh, fellow uh, staff members, leaders, your senior pastor, um, you were hired, like no matter who you were, you were hired because they liked you, not because you had a bunch of greatest hits. Yes. Yes. So. Exactly. And yeah. You make, you make the, you, you, once again, I want to make an album now called Ryan Schmall's Greatest Hits. Yeah, I'm writing a book. <laughs> right, right. And we do. We have that. We have our greatest hits album. We have all our games we like. I remember moving from you know from Florida to Birmingham, Alabama, and down in Florida. This was you know 15 years ago or whatever it is now. But uh, you know back then we could do songs. We were still doing like hand motions. Like it was still a thing. And okay. uh, we get up here. It's like nope, no hand motions around here, buddy. So so yeah. you have to you know you have to lay aside your own greatest hits to maybe make some new hits uh, and figure out some new stuff. Um, so right now, then what what is and as our listeners here are are just uh, leaning in uh, and saying, listen, okay, how do do I what what relationships do I need to be paying attention to? Now this is you're getting in on the ground level here. This is your you're coming back in ground floor and so your your radar is up on these uh, new relationships. But it doesn't matter whether you're there a year or five years, you know, what kind of relationships should we be paying attention to in the church? Because uh, you know, we, we trying to navigate these. We tend to get into deep waters before, and we, before we ever know it, we're over our head because we weren't we weren't paying attention. And so, uh, to help these uh, that are listening here and help me out too, is what kind of relationships or which relationships should we be paying attention to? Yeah, um, I think it's really easy for us to go. Well, your relationship with you know the senior pastor, your relationship with the parents, your relationship with the students, like those are all like really easy go to. Ones that we have in the back of our minds that, or probably on the forefront of our minds um, that we're like, how do I make that better? How do I make that better? But I actually like making the point that you have a relationship with yourself. And if the relationship with yourself and your willingness to be you and accept you for who God made you to be, if, if that's not healthy and together – then all the other relationships are going to really be hard, uh, and you're going to struggle with them. Um, 
you, I, I, I would all the time, this is me being vulnerable, uh, because I think that's okay. Um, I, I really struggle with depression and I've gone to several therapists over my time and my first therapist, I will never forget one of the things that she would tell me and I would go every single week and she would write down all these things I was saying. And one night she just said, can I tell you all the things that you've said about you? And I'm like, I don't talk about me. And she said, you want to bet? And she started reading all these really degrading negative statements that I had made over the past few meetings with her about myself. And she told me, Ryan, you're, you're playing this tape in your head. You have a script going on. And you have a horrible relationship with yourself. You beat yourself up. You don't believe in you. So how can you possibly make an impact on people if you don't believe God has first made an impact on you and says that you're worthy? And I remember sitting back in my chair and just being like, uh, uh, you're a jerk. <laughs> like, I cannot believe this right now. Like, you're so right. Um, and it really impacted me. I, I walked out of that meeting going, oh my gosh, I I do do that. And the, the next few weeks, we had to really work on me reframing my own story and how I viewed myself. And, you know, people have different reasons why they degrade themselves. Some people do it in a joking way. Some people just do it uh, blatantly. Some people don't speak up uh, because they just don't believe in themselves. Um, but you have a relationship with yourself. And the way that you think God views you, I think often, is how you view yourself. Which, and, which then impacts your relationships around you. Right. And so if you don't believe God made a fantastic person in you, how can you bring that message to other people? Now, the, the trick here is we're all deeply flawed and deeply broken. So it's easy for me to go, yeah, but Ryan – you did this the other day, so how could you possibly be a good leader? Well, good leaders are vulnerable. Good leaders are honest about the reality that, look, they found freedom in Christ despite their brokenness. Because I think over and over and over again, Christ meets people and says they're enough, that they belong in the midst of all of that, over and over and over Right. No perfect, no perfect people. And that in the right in the midst of the brokenness, God comes and does does the work within us to to set the ship straight, to to upright a broken ship that says, OK, listen, you've been sinking, you've been floundering. And now it's time to set your identity straight so that you right. can function in all these other relationships that you have. Right. Is and that, I, I, think, I think as leaders, too, we're trying to like be these like examples of perfection. And we often forget that we're not superheroes like we think we want to be, um, but we're actual real people dealing with real people, human issues and emotions. And none of us are ever perfect. We are constantly being chiseled at, to use a skit guy's reference, or being perfected. Um, and we don't do any of that. Christ is the one who is continually working on us. We're never finished. Christ is never done with us. So we don't ever have to be up front in front of our students or in front of parents or even with your senior pastor 
and be like, yeah, I, I'm great. I'm a hundred percent put together. I have life figured out because that's a blatant lie. None of us have it all figured out. No, no. And, per, and perfection is also exhausting. Uh, oh yeah. As, as yeah. one, it is a, it, we are so hard trying to be somebody else or trying to meet somebody else's expectation or standard or whatever it is. It's just, it's a, it's, it's so exhausting, so tiring. Uh, and it is just a, such a drain on every part of your life in your family life, you know, in your business life in your, in your church life and all these various things. It's, it's so exhausting. And, and just say to yourself for a moment, just think through like what Ryan just said there for a second and say, listen, what, what is it about me? What am I, what, how is my relationship with myself? Where is that? Where is that? Where am I on the spectrum of, of, you know, healthiness and wholeness in my own life. And, and how is that impacting the other relationships around me? And if you'll do that, I believe, as Ryan says, listen, that's that when you start to change your perspective about not only yourself, uh, but about how God sees you, that I think you're going to start to see, Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, you're going to start to see some of these other relationships start to flourish. Yeah, no, I, I think... Uh, you know, that doesn't mean they don't require work and time or energy, but your ability to really be relational and meet people where they're at, um, man, I, I just think that monumentally increases. A, a few years ago when I really realized I was struggling with depression, um, I started taking medication and um, I started going to therapy, but the time prior to that, I mean, my emotions were wild. They were really high or really low. And there were all kinds of people that no matter how much I tried to hide my brokenness, everyone knew something was up, including the students who were coming to the youth ministry. Like they knew that something wasn't okay with me. And, and me continuing to pretend that I'm okay, um, really, it, it kind of fringed on my ability to do ministry well, because I mean, students know when I'm not being honest with them. And so I talked a lot with my wife and um, some of the other leaders and just kind of said, like, I think I have to be upfront with them. And what I did a whole night where I just said, look, guys, I need to be honest. I'm not perfect. I'm deeply flawed. I'm dealing with this. Here it is. Um, and just continue to walk that journey in front of them to show them, here's how I am dealing with this problem in my life on an ongoing basis. Not just like a Wednesday night, like here's how it all got fixed, which I think we tend to do right. um, during testimony times and whatnot. Um, they want to see and need to see us as youth leaders living that out tangibly in front of their eyes on a day-to-day basis and how did they and when i started oh go for it no no go ahead when i started doing that what i found to be pretty remarkable was and this happened for several years after i started sharing all that i had students about five or six of them and a couple leaders on a weekly basis want to meet with me about their own journeys of depression so just my willingness to talk about that actually made it safe and okay for them to do so as well. Well, that was going to be, and, and you, you basically answered my question there. So I was going to ask how they received that because for, for some youth workers that are, that are listening to this, 
Some of them say, I could never share that with my youth group. It is a, It would be to them a sign of weakness or even a sign of weakness uh, to my pastor or uh, things like that. And they're saying, listen, I could I could never share that kind of depth of, of vulnerability. But you in saying that says, look, that what came back was a far greater, um, you know, just a sense of we're in this together versus people jumping on uh, a bandwagon of, of uh, you're no good and uh, you're a terrible person and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. No, I found it to be completely the opposite. Like, I think I had some of those same fears going into it too. Like, what will people think? A big one for me was like, will parents trust me knowing that I'm dealing with this with this issue? Um, and I just had the complete opposite effect. Now, will that work for every environment? I don't know. Um, but for me, in my experience, I mean, that's what I know and that's what I've seen. And I know anytime I've gone, even outside of uh, youth ministry and just been willing to talk about my own depression, I mean, that kind of yields a lot of cool conversations later um, that just kind of tend to come back around, Ugh. like ones that even surprise me. Um, like I had um, a whole group of older adults who were probably all 55 or older mm. who sought me out of my last church knowing that about me, um, who wanted me to lead a small group for adults. And I did. Um, and it was all based around this idea that we're all adults struggling with depression and how do we, how do we move through it? So I, I just think you never know who's waiting for somebody to make it okay to not be okay. Yeah, they're willing for somebody to make the first move. Right. And as a leader, we need to be willing to do that. Exactly. Such a great, such a great point because so many people listening now are, are measuring right now. They're weighing out and they're they're testing out their voice and saying, if I said this, what would the response be? Right? What would those and you know what? And I would say too that that you do, like you said, it doesn't necessarily work in every context, but vulnerability works in every context, right? I mean, it's not, you don't have to share maybe every, don't be like completely like totally put yourself out there, right? I mean, you know, be careful sometimes with what you share. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, my, uh, I had a teacher who was also my youth pastor growing up and he, he, he would always talk about the, uh, don't throw across the swine passage. Yes. The swines. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's pretty true that I'm going to share the most intimate struggles of my life. But if you're also not being vulnerable, vulnerable about those with somebody, whether that's a therapist, your spouse, um, some kind of accountability friend um, or friends, then there's another problem, too, because you can't keep that in and just be like, well, I'm going to deal with it internally because it's going to find a way to, to bubble out. And that goes back to dealing with your perception of how God sees you and how you see yourself. Um, right. So let's move then from, from if we're, we're all a little messed up and sometimes that can complicate some of our relationships between us and our board or our pastor or our kids or our parents, uh, you know, all these various people there. Uh, how then can we, do you think, um, you know, foster all these relationships, even if we're not a hundred percent well, what are some tips we can do to kind of, uh, you know, measure this out and be able to foster really healthy relationships 
they're all critical, right? Every with our students, with our they're all those are your you know four, five, six main critical types of relationship and ministry. There, how then would you say are some good steps to go forward? Even if you're not 100% well, if you're not 100% you know secure, maybe in in some things, um, some tips to help foster some really good, healthy relationships with these critical relationships. Yeah, I think for me, when you ask that question, the first thing that comes to mind is remembering that everyone you're encountering is a human being, and we're all dealing with the human brokenness in this world. Um, So, for example, I had a lot of tension at my last church uh, with my senior pastor, and for a long time, I was just angry at him. I'm like, why can't he see what I see? How come he's doing this? How come he's doing that? How come he's not doing this? And I treated him in a way that was almost almost unfair and treating him not human-like. Like, like there's kind of the opposite effect. Like, we want to be superheroes, but then, like, we deal with people like our senior pastors and we act like they should be a superhero, which I think kind of plays into the why we feel like we have to be that way because there's this unspoken expectation. Right. And so for me, I went into that relationship constantly with like, you need to give me everything I need. And toward the end, over the past couple of years, I started recognizing, oh, I'm so broken and he's broken. And he is dealing with something that maybe I don't even know what's going on. Often I, I feel like we we enter into a lot of relationships, especially the tense ones, really defensive and ready to fight. We we go in with our fists up, um, with our uh, fists clenched really tight, ready to throw the first punch because we don't want to get punched ourselves. And we forget in that that the people we're encountering, whether it's a parent who's yelling at you because you forgot – to put something on a packing list or your senior pastor is yelling at you because of, I don't know, picks. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they, that happens. Anything. Right. Um, untucked shirt. Like, right. We often like personalize it and we go, Oh my gosh, this person is attacking me. And we never stop to think about what's that, what's actually going on in that person's life. Are they dealing with something that we know about? Are they, are they going through something that maybe we don't know about? Um, often I feel like when people attack us for things, it's actually coming out of a brokenness within them that maybe they don't even recognize or realize. And so we as broken individuals need to go engaging in all of these critical relationships with that understanding that we're dealing with broken people too. And just like we want grace for our own brokenness, we need to be willing to enter into all of those relationships with grace as well, just like Christ did with us. So I, I don't have a ton of tips, but that to me is like so critical for us as we encounter any person, whether it's a student or an adult. I, I think we need to enter into all these relationships with a tremendous amount of love, compassion, and grace for one another. And, and I could not agree with you more because the because the 
the position we take, whether it's closed fist or open hand, right, then will determine, really determines our success if we're going to have real ministry or not. Because these right. are the same folks that we have to ask if they can open their home. These are the same people we're going to have to, you know, rub up against uh, in line uh, at, you know, the church social. Uh, these are, these are like you said, human beings that are, are really, really broken, and and we have to remember that uh, that we're all broken, and we have to extend the grace and the empathy uh, towards them the same way that Christ extended uh, forgiveness and grace towards us. Um, and it's so hard to do. It's so hard, Ryan. I'll be honest. It's I, my own vulnerability. I think I shared this there is that I've dealt with with that for many years for my own life, where. Um, you know, where the, where the, where the hurt can be so, uh, terrible or, or, or so, you know, um, offensive or, or whatever word, you know, you want to use for that is that, is that sometimes the, it's just a natural, you know, if it's, to me, if it's fight or flight, it's nine times out of 10, it's fight. I, I, I usually will not back down or run away from a from a any kind of confrontation some people have said that i have the gift of confrontation which i don't mind in a positive sense but i can see where it has not served me well in other uh senses it's uh it's been detrimental uh in some ways now i have learned over the years i've not i've you know uh, uh, I don't want to say I sound like I'm a complete train wreck, but this is most of this what I'm telling you happened in my younger years. So uh, yeah. when I was just you know filled with fire and vigor and uh, just thought that um, you know everything had to be done a certain way and and uh, those kind of things. So um, what you're saying is is a lesson that I've probably learned the hard way. And so I would encourage those that are listening, don't, you know, don't be a Paul, right? Don't be that Paul. Uh, don't be that person who, who says you want to look back and regret, you know, those years of saying I could have had, I could have done a lot more ministry if I'd gone in with an open hand than a closed fist. You know, I could right. have stayed at my church longer. I could have, you know, and all that does is build regret and, uh, and things like that. As we begin to wrap up, Ryan, I would love for you to share just a little bit too, that when people are... You know, you just you see the people you see every week and and immediately, you know, your thoughts leap to your mind of the worst possible scenario. Right. You have this inner dialogue going on that they say this. I already have 10 speeches in my brain or comebacks or zingers or, you know, whatever it may be, you already, you are preparing, you are loading the ammo, so to speak. Uh, and before there's ever any, you know, declaration of war here, you're just have this arsenal, uh, you know, in your mind. So what if you're trying, you're saying, look, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying so hard, but every time I rub up against so-and-so or that person on the third row or the person on my team or, you know, the person in, on the board of the leadership, what if I'm trying and, um, you know, it's just not working. It's just in your own, you're, you're just, the effort you're trying to put forward is you're just, you're just struggling to the nth degree of that. Well, I, I think one of the things that is okay that, uh, again, this is a weird thing in church world is we think we have to be best friends with everyone. Right. Uh, and really what we have to do is just learn how to eat dinner together. We need to learn how to sit at the table together. Like when we get together at Thanksgiving, like I know Thanksgiving was a couple weeks ago, like 
any typical family has all kinds of different political or religious uh, baggage that they're bringing to that conversation. You know, I, I know like this weekend we're going to get together with uh, my wife's whole side of the family and there's all kinds of stuff that everyone is going to bring and dump out. And yet we all disagree. You know, there's a st- there's all the same tension that exists every year, but we know how to sit together. And I think we don't have to be the best friend of that person who drives you insane. One of the beautiful things about ministry and especially working with a team. So when you talk about like a student who drives you crazy, well, you should be having some kind of a leadership team that somebody connects with that student. It doesn't have to be you. Now, do you love them? Yeah, absolutely. You show them kindness and humanity to the best of your ability. But do you have to be the person to minister to them? Probably not. And in fact, you probably shouldn't because you're not going to be effective. You're not going to be able to be that person for that kid. Same goes for any leader. Um, I, I don't think we have to have it in our minds that we have to have these like movie-esque beautiful relationships with every single person. I think it's okay to say, you know what? I don't think that person and I connect. I love them and I respect them enough and I want to find somebody who helps meet them right where they're at, but I know it can't be me. And how much of like of a relief that is off of our shoulders um, just to go, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Um, I think that's a burden that we put on ourselves pretty frequently or maybe even like some churches put that burden on you. And whether or not someone else put that burden on you, the, the truth is you don't have to let it be a burden. Um, I think there are lots of ways to love people from a distance and, and still treat them with human dignity. Um, I look at somebody like um, like Jesus who, you know, when he's getting arrested, um, the, the disciples, what do they do? They put their fists up and Peter cuts off the ear of the guard. Um, yeah. you know, and that's typically how we enter those relationships. But Jesus says, no, we're going to figure out how to repair this, even with the person who is arresting me, even the, with the person who is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Like Jesus loved that person. Now being a human, did he like what happened next? Probably not, but he still loved him and he loved him enough to, re- to bring wholeness back. And sometimes bringing wholeness back is just about learning how to sit together at the table and learning how to eat together. Um, it doesn't mean you have to engage them on a daily basis. That's so, so good. Uh, I cannot wait to go back and just listen to this in this particular section, like over and over and over again, because, and I, and I'm sure those that are listening are saying, you mean I don't have to, you know, I don't have to have this emotional love. I remember when, you know, I was first getting married that, uh, you know, and going through things and, you know, I was a couple of years into the marriage and then I heard, you know, that, you know, the, there was a book called love is a decision. And, uh, I said, and then somebody was teaching on it and says, you know what, you're not always going to feel in love with your wife. It's not always going to be emotional in that sense. You're going to decide to love. 
And I think that's what you're saying too. You say, look, I don't, I don't have to be any kind of emotional love with you, which I think we build up and say, well, if I don't feel that way, then I feel guilty that I can't like, you know, express this whole thing that I think that's the burden upon me or the, the expectation that I have upon me. But, uh, you know, that, uh, what I really have to do is just love them, make it a decision, uh, process that says, listen, I'm just going to, I'm just going to love them for this moment, for this time. And, uh, I don't have to, you know, display angels don't have to come out of the sky singing every time I get in contact with this person. Would that be fair? Yeah. I mean, look at Jesus at the table with the 12 disciples, you know, right before Judas betrays him, he still passes the cup and the bread to Judas. Sure. Like, like he still treats him with that human dignity, but yeah, yeah, no, I think you're totally on. Yeah. As we begin to wrap up our time here, I want to quote, uh, uh, I want to I quote Carl Grimes from The Walking Dead. Episode was on last night. And he says, "You know what? We just have to survive tonight." <laughs> Sometimes that's very true. Very true. You know, we just have to survive the event. We just have look. You got to do ministry. You got to do these things. You know. Not every all the survivors on on uh, on The Walking Dead get along, but they have to survive. They have to get along. They have to build family. They have to survive together. And regardless of what our what our feelings or, or uh, you know attitudes or whatever they may be, we still have to. If we're going to be church, if we're going to be in this together, then we have to be able to say, look. Sometimes we just have to say, we just have to survive tonight. Let's not worry about the whole big picture here at the moment. Let's just take care of business right now, whatever that may be, an event, a meeting, uh, uh, a moment of discussion, uh, you know, some pragmatic thing that we have to deal with. And, uh, you know, we just have to decide in the moment to love people uh, and not worry about angels coming out of the sky and singing, uh, you know, the hallelujah chorus every time we're with them. Uh, Right. Yeah. And that makes me think of like, there's always that annoying kid in youth group. and for us youth pastors, most of us were that annoying kid. Uh, I know I was. But there's always that annoying kid who everyone is like complaining to you about. And they're waiting to see how you react to that person who drives you nuts too. And if we want to help our students and move them deeper into Christ-likeness, how we respond to people we don't like really matters too. It does. And how we talk about people and how we talk to kids about other kids, uh, that's like yeah. you said, it is lived out in front of them. And we have exactly. to live and we have to be able to live that out. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on uh, the podcast today and talking about uh, navigating these critical relationships, especially the relationship we have with ourselves and our relationship that we have with God. That's a critical relationship in our success overall, uh, at being uh, good ministers, good leaders, uh, healthy human beings, all very, very important. Uh, why don't you tell everybody how, uh, you know, they can reach you. I know that, uh, you do some writing over on YS and maybe you have some other, other things that you may want to, uh, offer the people listening today that, uh, they want to follow up and connect with you. Yeah. Uh, you can always find me over on Twitter. Do people still use Twitter? I don't know. It's I am Ryan Schmall. And, uh, you can also find me over on Instagram. Uh, which my new group of students have been mocking me at how I'm using Instagram. I said, how, how am I doing it wrong? They said, you're posting too many pictures. And I said, on the picture site? <laughs> and they were like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So if you want to be inundated with my pictures on the picture sharing website, uh, you can find me over there too at I am Ryan Schmall. I also uh, have a personal blog. 
that's just I am Ryan Schmall dot Tumblr dot com. And that that's a little bit more, uh, I don't know, more out there probably than, uh, some of the stuff I'll write for YS. Um, it's a little bit more personal. Um, but yeah, if you want to check out my stuff, that's where you can find me. That is outstanding. Uh, using too many pictures on the picture. Too many pictures. On Instagram, yeah. On Instagram. <laughs> well, thanks again, Ryan Schmall. You're killing me, Schmalls. That's going to be my new phrase for you. You're killing me, Schmalls. And um, <laughs> I'm just thrilled that you're on the podcast today and sharing. And by the way, if you're uh, interested, if you enjoyed today's podcast, by the way, I hope that uh, you'll go over to iTunes, uh, maybe give it a few stars, maybe a review. Let me know what you think about it. And in the end, uh, the Youth Ministry in Motion podcast is here to keep you motivated, keep your youth ministry moving forward, and I hope that we have done that for you today. Thanks again, guys, for listening, and I will catch you guys on the next episode.